welcome to the Gathering Place Church weekly podcast. We hope today's message ignites, equips, and challenges you to live out your Christian faith and to bring healing to a broken world. This morning as we posture our heart for the Word of God, we are going to see this climactic exit as we kind of land the plane with the prophet Elijah. And as he came in a whirlwind, came into on the scene in a whirlwind, he leaves in the same way. And there's something about when the Spirit of God does something that is lasting, that has staying power, that is legacy, it just doesn't start and stop with that person or with the spirit that was on that person. And as we're kind of entering into the season of Thanksgiving, like Kelsey was saying, and getting back to the main thing, not getting caught up in, in the bigness, in the hype, in the excitement, is Elisha witnesses his mentor, his pastor, his prophet, his leader, right away in chariots of fire. It didn't blow him back. It didn't take him by surprise. And we're going to see today because there was a, a clinging that was there. There was a closeness. There was a walk. And in a side of maturity, what I want us to just think through today is, as we open the scriptures is where have you put God in a box? Where have you made, said that God's got to act this way and he doesn't really reserve the right to disrupt my life or disrupt my box or shake the nest a little bit? Because there can be a shaking and a disruption, but it doesn't have to throw you on your back. It doesn't have to shake you to the ground. And what we see is it's not living from one spiritual high to the next, but it's living in a consistency you're going to see even in the transferring of the mantle of Elijah to Elisha, there is a continuity. It's not a, a big reset or a restart. And when you're following God from one generation to the next, think of your family. Maybe you're a parent, you have young kids, or maybe you're a grandparent, you look down into your family. Is There should be a continuity of how God works and how he moves and what he does. And there's such a settling and a simplicity that you can rest in if you can grab hold of some of these truths today. So let's just go before the Lord in prayer. Maybe you feel comfortable to lift your hands in a posture to receive and to yield to the Spirit in the presence of God. Jesus, we truly believe what we're singing and praying through a spiritual song this morning, Anthem of My Life. And God, as we Sing what we believe, we also believe what we sing. So God, we want that to be the anthem of our life, that we worship you forever. God, that we don't waste our worship, but we waste it in one way. We pour it out. We leave it all on the table. We don't hold back from you. We're, we're okay if you break into our lives in unexpected ways. Jesus, we need you. Our world needs you. Our nation needs you. God, the earth is crying out and groaning for the Spirit of God. 
God, I pray that we cry and we groan, that that be a posture of our lives. It doesn't have to be a volume level, but it is a posture that I want, God. I'm not satisfied without anything else. So Jesus, I ask that you break in and you invade and you touch us today, that this isn't a check the box service. This isn't, I just came to church because it's a Sunday morning and it's the Lord's day and the bingles are on at one so I can get out by that. All good, but let's focus in and not break the focus of what God wants to do. So Jesus, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing in our church. And God, we surrender today. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Corey, stay with me for just a moment. You can be seated. I want to read this to you today. And here at the end of service, we're so thankful for our veterans. And uh, our GPC kids have a little gift they'll be coming in um, to give our veterans today. But as we get into the scripture, you're going to see, um, if you turn to 2 Kings... And what you're going to see in 2 Kings, or 1 Kings rather, 19, verse 19, you're going to see where Elisha follows Elijah. Now, the past two weeks, we've talked about wicked King Ahab. We've talked about crazy, domineering, controlling Jezebel and how we stand, clear signs, how we discern. I pray that you've gotten some tools in your belt of how you stand against these spirits, of how you walk in the authority God's given you. But understand, Elijah's life isn't just from one battle to the next, isn't this big war king, isn't this big prophet that can just call fire down from heaven, and uh, it, it, is, it is word where he can cause a, a drought on behalf of God. That's a, a dimension of his life. But I think one of the more special, precious, more gentle, if you'd say, sides of Elijah is in the passing of what God did in him to Elisha. So I want to give some context of who Elisha was. And we really see him come onto the scene right here in 1 Kings 19. It says this, it says, so Elijah departed from there. And remember, this is in the context we preach through this. Elijah comes back from his 40 days of running and fleeing from his life uh, of Jezebel. We talked about this in our men's study on Thursday, that one Jezebel will wear out an entire leadership team, will wear out an entire church. It warned Elijah out to the place that he was famished for 40 days. You mess with this spirit, you better have some energy and you better know your God when you go to defeat it. So Elijah comes back. And remember, Elijah in his self-pity said, God, there is nobody else. I have no one else. I'm isolated, I'm alone. And he says, well, actually, Elijah, you're missing it because your lens is off. It's a little dusty. It's a little broken. I have reserved 7,000 in a remnant that has not bowed the knee or kissed the ring of Baal. So you're not alone. And I'm going to prove that to you. And a part of proving that to you is I'm going to send Elisha to serve you. I'm going to send Elisha to be a part of what I've called you to. So here's where we see Elisha come onto the scene. So Elijah departed from there, and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. Elijah, or Elisha is just working, he's doing. And you'll even see by the fact he has 12 oxen, 
Elisha's wealthy. I mean, this is the equivalent of having 12 bulldozers valued at several hundred thousand dollars a piece, right? So he's coming from some uh, wealthy inheritance here. You'll see why it's important here in a second. So he's plowing and he has these yoke and oxen and it says, Elijah passed him by and he just threw his mantle on him. You can tell Elisha's like, what in the world is going on? You know he's heard of Elijah, but this is kind of a little drive-by scenario here. So he threw the mantle on him, and then Elisha left the oxen and ran after Elijah. So Elijah just kept going, and Elisha ran after him. He says, I'm going to kiss my father, then I'll follow after you. Elijah said to him, return, for I have done this for you. Elisha returned from following him, took a pair of oxen, slaughtered them, boiled their flesh with the proper equipment, and gave it to the people to eat. He then arose, followed Elijah, and ministered to him. Several significant things I want to point out here. Is with Elisha, you'll see something similar, actually a true and better to a degree, that just if you go to the New Testament readings of the rich young ruler. Jesus says, give everything. He's walked away sad. That was his response. When Jesus required something of him to step up and mature, the response was negative, walks away sad, didn't, couldn't do it. Elisha here, at the wake and beck where he had the opportunity, it says that he immediately took his wealth, slaughtered it, the oxen, and then took a portion of it, boiled it with the proper equipment, kept it clean, and then offered it as a sacrifice to serve in, in a sign that I am willing to go all in. I'm willing to do whatever is required of me. And almost I, am, I have to burn my ships. I have to walk away from my inheritance and my wealth in order to show God I'm serious, to show Elijah I'm serious. The ships are burned. And as I serve my inheritance, to the prophet, it is a sign and symbol that I want to have a servant's heart. So Elisha, at the core of who he was, was a servant. But understand, and this is what we're going to see today in this dichotomy of Elijah and Elisha, is that Elijah understood that Elisha was going to have to be tested. Elijah understood that Elisha was going to have to be tried and get to a place of trust that it wasn't just going to be handed to him, wasn't just going to be in one way, yes, the mantle was thrown. But did you notice what happened? Elijah just goes on. He exits the scene. And what is this is, is telling us is that he's saying, now, Elisha, it's between you and God. I did my part. Now you've got to go wrestle through some things. You've got to mature through some things. Your journey, I'm here as, as a mentor or as a is a spiritual leader in your life, as a pastor of sorts. But now you got to go figure out between him and understand that it was Elisha who then ran after Elijah. And he wanted to see his opportunity does, it comes to you pretty quick. And if you're not ready, you can miss it. You can go around the mountain again. And I think many of us Things were thrown on us quickly, but because if maturity is not there, if we're not willing to burn the oxen or burn the ships or do what's required of us, we miss it. We've got to go around the mountain again. So as we get into the scripture today, this is important to know of, of Elisha and his servant's heart. 
And we're going to see Elijah's glorious exit. But in his exit, he goes up in a whirlwind and a chariots of fire, but he leaves something behind. And what he imparts into Elisha is also imparted into us today. If you didn't know this, the whole 2 Kings chapter 2 account of the whirlwind, of the chariots of fire, is actually a picture, a prefigurement of Pentecost. That it's a leaving where Elisha asks, give me a double portion of your spirit. And something is left behind. Elisha is actually a picture of Jesus. Elijah is a picture of John the Baptist. You even see in Joshua and Moses, success and successor, what I want to talk about today is how to have successful succession in your life. This church is a picture of succession. You know, as we come around eight months of my grandmother, Pastor Joyce, there was a, a succession that had taken place here close to nine years ago now. And I'm going to get Teared up a little bit. I haven't shared this before. She passed on Saturday, and I sat at her bedside on Thursday in the hospital. And I can remember on one side, I'm holding her hand, and my mom's on the other side holding her hand. She's fighting for her life. And uh, I just begin praying for her. And she has a moment where we're able to share and we're able to talk. And I felt just the Spirit of God come upon me. And I looked her deep in the eyes. And I said, everything that you've left behind, everything you've built, this ministry, this school, this church, I'm going to do everything in my ability to be a faithful steward, to be faithful to the ministry that God has placed in me, that you've trusted to my life. And know that I am not a hireling. I am in this for the long haul. I am a pastor of one church. And this is my family. This is my people. And I want to honor you in doing this. Tears begin to flow. My mom's crying. I'm crying. And there was almost this moment. Nothing supernaturally, technically happened, but something happened, if you know what I mean. And there was this just rest that came in. And there was almost this fire that began to come up in me. And every time I stand before you now, I preach from that place. That I don't care if we have five people, 50 people, 500 people. It's not for the money. It's not for the numbers. There is something much deeper that's at play here. When God calls something, and Pastor Joyce always said this, when something comes from heaven into earth, and this church came from heaven into earth, in my ordination, when hands were laid on me, she whispered in my ear, she said, my prayer, Garrett, is that my ceiling becomes your floor. And I say all that to say this, as I'm preaching this from a place, as it strikes my heart, this is very personal to me, and this comes from a place of family and you understand is of what the mantle that Elisha asked for isn't greater power and greater anointing and we want to call fire down from heaven but is more identity 
sonship. And we get into these charismatic Pentecostal circles and it's all about fire and power all the time. It's never about humility. It's never about lowliness, long-suffering. We're going to see today, if you can see a deeper lens into the earliest and purest understandings of these passages, there's something much deeper at work today. I want to pray. Father, we thank you. As the sermon has already started, as we get into this, Holy Spirit, have your way. Do what you do best. Reveal Jesus to us. Let us see the true and better of the same spirit that was with Elijah and the same spirit that was with Elijah is the same Holy Spirit who is with us today, the same spirit who defeats the Jezebels and the Ahabs, the same spirit that makes us holy and pure and clean. We love you, Lord. We honor you today. And we thank you for what you want to not just give us information of, but impart into our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Corey. Grab your seat. You'll be up here in a minute. So if you flip over a few pages and you get to 2 Kings chapter 2, you'll see Elijah's glorious exit. Give me a little grace. I'm probably going to get Elijah and Elisha mixed up. I don't know any pastors ever preached on this and doesn't call the two the wrong name at some point. But what we're going to see today in chapter 2, I want to read it and then give you context and commentary. It says this. It says, And at the time, as the time came for the Lord to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha went from Gigel. And then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord sent me to Bethel. So remember this. Gigel and Bethel, two places already. We're also then we're going to see Jericho, three places, three visitations, three stops that Elijah and Elisha make. But Elisha said, and this is important here, this shows his heart, his servant's heart, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went to Bethel and now the sons of the prophets of Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know that this day the Lord will take you, take away your master from over your head? And he said, I know, please be silent. If you see an exclamation point, it can be safe, probably more eisegesis than exegesis that says, yeah, be quiet. In other words, shut up, okay? And then verse four, it says, then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And so they went to Jericho, and now the sons of the prophets in Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, do you know that this day the Lord will take away your master from over your head? And so he answered, I know, please be silent, exclamation point. Someone's getting a little perturbed here. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, please, for the Lord sent me on to the Jordan. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So both of them went on. So I want to look at this in three places, and for lack of time, we won't get too deep into it, but you're going to see Gigel, Bethel, and Jericho mean three different things. Gigel means a place of beginning, where things really kind of started for Elijah. Bethel means uh, a place of prayer. This is where a lot of commissioning, Bethel would would be seen uh, a place of where the prophet's 
um, were schooled and were educated. And, um, and then as you get into Jericho, it would be known as a place of battle, a place of victory. And Elijah would see these places and would take these. And when you think of it, here's Elijah riding into the sunset in one where, you know, we, we hear that, just, just kind of an old Western, if you can picture it, riding into the, to the sunset, got his cowboy hat on, on his, on his horse, and, and here he goes. And when you think of toward the end of your life, and my heart goes out to Tracy and Ann and the Craven family, we put to rest his wonderful father on Tuesday, Gary Craven, and had a beautiful funeral service, um, and just a beautiful day, a veteran, and um, the peace of God was there. And they're here in church today, and we, we continue to grieve with you. And, and even in this type of, I told them before church, I said, man, what we saw Tuesday and what we're going into in the sermon today, it's, it's timely. And I pray this ministers to you personally in a certain way today. But you see, as he begins to just reflect,